Hey everybody, welcome to another brand new episode of Into the Tangentverse! Yes, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I am Simon C, and joining me is Louis Z. Louis how are you doing, Mr. Simon? Man, I am doing alright. How are you, man? Hey, you know, it's just one of those days, it looks like it, guess what? It's gonna rain again over here, oh, so we let's better. hope that my connection we... stays. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know why we always <laughs> pick the day when it's raining. Yeah. You're telling me I'm I'm just a, I'm just a, like a bad a bad omen these days when it comes to the weather so that sucks. I, but I don't know, man. Hopefully it's not gonna rain when when we are recording because that will suck. Yeah, right now no wind, thank God. So so far so good. Yeah. Let's keep it's it cloudy. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest today. Did we do? Yeah, we don't. Ha- we usually don't have guests because we don't. We barely know anyone. So <laughs> we barely know anyone. So. So it's a, it's a very rare thing that we have a guest today, and our guest is, um, well, he has an interesting story to share with us uh, in regards to Mr. Zack Snyder himself. Um, with a, but, Indeed. W- but without further ado, let's just introduce him. His name is Will Novi from Skyrise Studio. Hey, how's it going, Will? <laughs> How's it going, Will? How's, How's it going, going? guys? Yeah, we're good, man. It's we're going good. Good. Now, let me apologize to the audience on one thing alone. I have to make something very clear. William Novi is my real life best friend. So it's actually this is the first. This is one of the rare times we're actually on camera speaking in front of an audience, and we te- I tend to go really stupid when he's here. So yeah, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, the rumors <laughs> are confirmed. Yes. <laughs> yes, the rumors are confirmed. I'm like, I'll just drop about 40 points. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, we don't know where this is going to go, but, you know, uh, we yeah. wanted to bring on William. Uh, or Do you go by William or Will? Either one works, but usually Will. Okay. So we want to bring on Bill. <laughs> no. I was about to say awesome. That. See you guys later. No, Bye. no, no. no. Come and, back, come back. We want. Um, and also, Guillermo, if you want to get very, very, very uh, technical and uh, you know ethnic with people, yeah. <laughs> that is William. It is William in Spanish. Okay. Okay. You fact check that. You uh, But the reason why we we wanted to bring Will on is um, he had a little encounter with Mr. Zack Snyder himself. Back in what? Well, uh, super bizarre. Yeah, well, back in what? Like the time when he was doing Watchmen. This would have been like what? Oh six, oh seven, I believe. Yeah, I want to say like two thousand eight, seven, something like yeah, that. Around that, mm-hmm. and we wanted to bring him on and talk about his little encounter with Zack Snyder. Not to mention that you know Zack Snyder always gets so much hate. He, not just yes. not just professionally, but even on personal levels that we've seen on Twitterverse. Yes, there's a reason that he's not active on Twitter all that much, and it's a real travesty because overall, it uh, like I never, I don't understand where the hate comes from. I can understand if people don't like. Of course, everyone's going to have agreements and disagreements. If you don't like his style of filmmaking, well, that's that's a personal preference. But I see personal attacks on him just for him, yeah. which. I think it's a bit extreme too. So it definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit too extreme in my opinion. Like you know, we seen yeah. we seen stuff like saying him hack Snyder. Uh, yeah, oh my gosh, it's just hack Snyder. Or they say that he ruined DC or that he ruined Watchmen. Which, technically speaking, he literally almost did it verbatim. So I never quite understood that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know, it's just you know. But for me and Luis, we never 
have met him on a personal level, like events or anything like that. So yeah. we had a friend here. We have a friend here <laughs> yes. who, who I remember mentioned to me that, hey, I, I met him once very briefly. I was like, out of nowhere, just like, oh, yeah, we should bring <laughs> yep, him on. Like we should this. bring him on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a and, fluke because, you see, we both, like, at the time that he's doing Watchmen, this would be right off the cusp of uh, 300, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, that would be the next film afterwards, I'm not mistaken, right? No, 300 was first. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah the next film was Watchmen, right? Correct, yes. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was right on the cusp of of um, of 300. So, I remember 300 was a very, very impactful film for myself, too. Especially, we were in Brooks. Like, we had just finished up Brooks, I think it was. And that movie was just like, oh, wow, look at what they did here. That's... It was impressive, and we were everyone. That's the funny thing. Zack Snyder wasn't always hated. At that point, actually, a lot of people, myself, and a lot of people that I know of too, were actually very eager to see what this guy was going to do next. At that point, mm-hmm. and that's largely what where this story comes in, which uh, both of us definitely would like to hear, no matter how extensive or brief it may be. Yeah. So, where were you, William, uh, when you met him? Where were you working at? Like, what were you doing? Well, I guess a little prelude to that story would be, I actually, that would be the second time that I did uh, see him or be in the same room as him was um, uh, in Los Angeles, we had um, HD Expo, which was like a a filmmaker's kind of expo that you could go to. And when I first met him, he had um, behind the scenes footage of 300 that wasn't released yet. We didn't even know what 300 was supposed to be. And he showed us what the test footage of that was that he gave, I guess, was it Warner Brothers that distributed or made 300? I think it was Warner Brothers who did 300. Let me double check on that. Go ahead. Because I'm pretty sure that that, that's that's what he stuck with so far. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that was the first time that I got to see like what he was capable of. And the footage blew everybody's mind at the time because there was no real easy way to do slow motion at that time and however he pulled that off with whatever cameras and gear was was amazing so uh, flash forward to then me now working at warner brothers uh for a brief period i got hired uh to do some um i have friends that work in visual effects and they uh had contracted out through warner brothers a little office next to Zack snyder's and so (laughs) And it was Warner Brothers, so yes, yeah. Okay, you're right, great, you're right. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we were probably next door to his office for, I want to say, about four months. Wow. And, yeah, and uh, during that time, I mean, you could like he was super friendly uh, to all of us, but um, every day it felt like he would he would drive up in a new car, <laughs> like you know, like some like two hundred thousand dollar car where you're just like, oh my god, and he was ripped, like. Like he's a gym just, bro. Yeah. Just like in 300, those yeah. guys, that's how he is like on the day to day kind of thing. I don't know he's if he's a gym bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't is. know if he's yeah. stuck with that since then, if he's still that way, but every day he would come in and he would just like super muscular. Um, crazy, crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Really? Although you're mentioning the thing about the car thing, that's hilarious because for some reason I kind of predicted that that wouldn't be the way he would be. Is <laughs> yeah. he a car yeah, guy? Was, I, I don't know. I, I never got to like talk to him extensively about anything. Uh, but, you know, yeah, his car collection was pretty awesome. Extensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. So we were doing, uh, um, 
don't know how I would describe it. It was like a, it was an AIDS relief program that we were doing some 3D uh, post, um, kind of like Pixar type videos for Africa. Uh, the president uh, needed some aid relief to try to like get the word out about it in Africa. And so we were contracted to do that. Um, but at the time, Zach was next door working on uh, Watchmen. And so uh, I would say about the time that we were almost done, we probably had like a month left in the office. He, uh, after hours, he invited everybody up to the second, well, we were on the second floor, so I guess technically the third floor, to uh, where his edit bay was to go check out um, like a, a rough draft um you know, first look at Watchmen. Nice. Um, An assembly cut, dude. You got a yeah. chance to see something that a lot of people never saw, dude. And yeah. I actually, for one, would have loved to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. Here's, here's, You're here's lucky, good dude. And bad news. We were invited, but I wasn't able to attend. Oh! Oh! Yeah. oh. Yes. No, 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 no. Sadly. No, even so, no. Yeah, I was too low on the totem pole. I was I had to stay in the office and, and help out. So a few people got to go up and, and go look at it, but I was not privy to that, sadly. Because oh. I would love to know what the differences between that rough cut and what the final cut of that film were, actually. Uh, because supposedly yeah. it was quite extensive in terms of from the version that was in the theater, we saw uh, William and I had the same opinion when it came to the theatrical cut version specifically. We weren't very big fans of the theatrical cut. I saw uh, you haven't seen the ultimate cut yet, have you, Will? I've not. No, I've an only entirely, ever seen the theatrical. It's an entirely different movie, dude. I mean, it literally, it went from being one of my lesser liked Snyder films to being probably among the best of the best where I'm just like, Oh wow, this is really good. So much was cut. And apparently a lot of it came from the assembly cut just so you know. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of the most encounters that we would have, you know, I, I, he would be coming up the stairs and I might be coming down to go, you know, do something to go grab lunch or something. And he might be coming in, but it was, it was very brief and, he didn't obviously know who I was at all, so it didn't matter. Like, I wasn't anybody important, so um, it wasn't like he was like, hey, come to my office and let's hang out and have a drink or something, you know? It was oh, just, dude, now that would have oh, been that different. Been awesome. Awesome. Right, yeah. <laughs> Even so, the thing, is that, the thing that's interesting is that it seems like he's, he, like, the fact that he actually would be in, like, involve a lot of people, like, a lot of directors are not that, they're not that nice when it comes to their in productions they're very very yeah. locked down that's mm -hmm. unique to, for you to actually even as a as just a bystander or someone to just be in a room like that generally speaking that's you and i both know this we've been in meetings with directors before where ones that are not so nice where yep. literally if they don't know do, do not make eye contact technical difficulties everyone yeah, sorry the about storm that. is coming the storm. <laughs> <laughs> the storm cometh. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, okay, really quick to add on to that last bit. Like, yes, uh, Will and I both work with in film, and, and we've been pervy to having to deal with uh, directors. There's a certain amount of ego, and there's a certain amount of um, there's an expectation that's put on, especially for people who would be uh, below the line, so to speak. Yeah. Um, directors to even just be in the same vicinity as people who are below the line is rare. That is not something. Do you want to clarify what below the line actually means below, for the okay. people that don't know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Above the line is when you have people like the cinematographers, the producers, the director themselves. Um, these are the considered the over the line. They're the top of the chain. There's a chain. There's a whole pyramid of the of the 
of the power when it comes to cinema, when you're doing movies. Um, and below the line would be the people like The Grips. The Actually, here's, here's the weird part for people who don't know about this. The writer in movies, generally speaking, is a below the line because the minute that it's written, generally speaking, they're cut directly away from it. It's very rare that they stay on at, in any kind of real meaningful way. But that would be a rarity. Like if you have like someone like, I don't know, uh, Dan O'Bannon or something like that, where they're so embedded with it that they invite them on. That's different. But the writer in this situation, I, th- I don't know if he was, if, if I don't think the writer at all with Watchmen specifically, he, I don't even think that uh, Miller, not Miller. How am I forgetting his name? The, 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 the writer of Watchmen. Like, I don't think that he even watched the movie because he's so anti-Hollywood. He really never, ever... Like, if I'm not mistaken, he said he he swore he would never watch it. And I kind of believe him. The movie or the, I kind of believe or the actual graphic novel? The movie. Okay. The, like, the writer, of the, the writer of, the, of the graphic novel. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that he would never see it. And if he did, he would never admit it. But I do know that Below the Line also includes people like... Like, editors, I guess... Uh, that's a hard one because technically speaking, that would be technically above the line, so to speak, for post-production. But generally speaking, if you unless you're an online an online editor right there on the set, that would be a considered a, a over the line position. But generally speaking, not. But like if you're just doing an any ordinary job, you're below that. If you're not a cinematographer, you're not the active role on set in terms of like the big names. Uh, that's what that is. Generally speaking. And they tend to do a really, really, really crack down on making sure you don't talk to them. You, If they talk to you, you answer back, sure. Uh, you're not supposed to. Not to say that it doesn't happen, but there is definitely... I've had some experiences where they've let me have a lot of say and a lot of opinions, and I'm able to mingle, but... In this case, it's just like with Zack Snyder involved, it's kind of interesting because I kind of always portrayed him to be something of a down-to-earth person in many ways, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. In a lot of ways, a lot of directors don't uh, encourage a lot of feedback from outside production sources. Yes. And to have um, a group of people who have no ties to that franchise at all to come in and uh, possibly even, you know, give their thoughts on what they think about the cut or how the story's playing out or just any notes in general exactly shows that he's he's fairly open to collaboration and just wants general feedback so i mean i'm sure a project like that especially for anybody there's a lot of pressure that comes with stuff Uh, like that yes so and keep in mind if if those not aware watchmen is another one of those movies like the justice league Mm -hmm. that had gone from it's basically been director hopped for Ever and ever. Uh, it's so many directors were once attached to Watchmen. So many writers, including, if I'm not mistaken, uh, David Hayter, who plays the voice of um, Snake in, um, the, uh, in, in a Metal Gear Solid, actually did an adaptation, wrote an adaptation of Watchmen that never got produced either. Oh, wow. So just like, yeah, this thing had been in works for a while. So the fact that Zack Snyder would be, like what you said, it's really shocking to me or a big, huge Hollywood director with a huge budget to actually just be wanting to hear stuff because you don't you don't see that you really don't see that. Usually they'll, they'll invite their cronies on set. They'll invite other directors and like, oh, let me go get my buddy Steven Spielberg or like something. Like, it's like no, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's, instead of just saying, oh wait, let me let me go get this get these guys to work next door. Let me go see what they think. Like that's that's a, that's amazing actually. Sure, and yeah, it says and a I- lot about Zach. Yeah, and I think at one, it's funny that you said Stephen because 
I think at one point Steven Spielberg did visit his office, but it wasn't during a time that I was there because I remember coming back to the office like the next day or whatever, and people are like, did you see Steven Spielberg? I was like, oh, wow. you, mean, you mean like just on the lot? They're like, no, he went to go visit Sna- Zack Snyder's office. And I was wow. like, oh, nope, didn't, didn't get that bad at all. Bad timing, huh? Not, oh, yeah. Just I bad know, timing serious. in general for me pretty much, I guess. Well, you know what? You know, the thing is that even so, the fact that you actually have the story to even tell, it says a lot because, again, you're talking from an angle where you're just a worker in the building yeah. at this point. And the fact that you have someone who's benevolent like that, He's not, like, you know, treating people like crap. And, again, another thing is not all of them, but there are the a lot of big directors that, unfortunately, are not very nice to the under-the-line people. Yeah. In fact, there's some of that they're not even nice to the fellow over-the-line people. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. And again, it comes with a lot of – there's just a lot of pressure and a lot of um, pushback that – they get constantly from so many sources and so many people oh. that I can, I can understand wanting to minimize that kind of feedback as much as possible. Cause you're trying to be creative. You're trying to, uh, you have a vision for something that you're trying to make happen and having people coming up to you being like, you know how I would do it, you know, kind of just yes. impedes mm-hmm. on that process. Yeah, and happens, you're like, well, that's yeah. yeah. yeah and some directors embrace it and some don't, some just want to have that tunnel vision and just, in the moment and some you know even come up to the pas and are like hey what do you think about you know that shot or how that was acted did you do you think anything about that was weird or something they just it just depends on the person themselves and how comfortable they are um with being in that position yeah Yeah. exactly and you see you see that's that to me is fascinating i mean in if anything again um, I've always kind of portrayed Zach to be a kind of a very collaborative person. And I clearly he's open to suggestion. Like he has had a, a, with the exception of, isn't it man of is man of steel. I believe is his only film that he has not had a alternate yeah, cut of. Right? I, I, yeah. That's only one. I think there's one more is <laughs> yeah. uh, his animated one. Oh, he said, oh, I love that one. The yeah. owl movie. Oh my God. That, yeah. that one doesn't <laughs> oh, yes. have a director's yeah, cut. I don't think yeah, that, that one didn't, that doesn't have a director's cut. Yeah. Yeah, Cause like, I think for the owl one, I think he brought back the same visual effects people that did 300 for that, which I don't think clear. were on the Watchmen uh, project. Figures, figures, figures. And you see, Watchmen, by the way, we'll have to do a, a like an anniversary review of that because I really have a lot of opinions on that one where my journey, like I said, William and I were in the same, but we saw it in the theater <laughs> and they had some scenes that p- parents who brought their kids Parents who brought their children and they're like trying to hide their their face for the sex scene. <laughs> it was not, yeah, it was not a. Uh, we're like, um, yeah, uh, uh, that's not the version kind. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, those uh, uh, parents like that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that that was interesting all its own. But no, William. <laughs> sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, but William. Like, like I said, one thing. One thing that I would have to ask, like, especially because it was on the cusp of three hundred, and like what William said. There were still, I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware of this, but HD was limiting at this point still the quite a bit, especially it. when it came to the dawn of it. Yeah, seriously, the dawn of HD. Yeah, yeah. it was actually limiting, especially with slow motion, particularly mm-hmm. was still controversial. You want to explain that? Because William is a cinematographer, so he has a better knowledge on this part. Yeah, around that time, uh, the industry was transitioning from film into digital, but at the time, the cameras were lacking in a lot of things that even film cameras could do, which on film cameras, you can crank up the 
frame rate to get the slow motion. Uh, HD couldn't really handle that because the way that it records the cards and everything, there was a lot of software engineering that needed to happen in order to get it to to work in the way that they needed it to. Exactly. So um, uh, I think at the time of 300, the slowest frame rate that I have ever saw was 60 frames a second. That's all I remember wow. seeing too. Yeah, that was still amazing back then. It, yeah, it, like, which was yeah. like mind-blowing at the time. But <laughs> when you watch 300 and you find out that he shot it probably closer to like 120 frames a second... Um, yeah, look great. Right. Wow, that's iconic. Like 120. Right. Yeah, and you really engineered that that style right there. Yeah, and and pushed to get those cameras and and stuff to really peak at their limit. So I'm not sure what post effects they had to do because if you just try to slow down the image, it gets very choppy. But yeah, it just replicates frames at that yeah. point. Yeah, it's it's kind of like um, like animation, 2D animation in a way where you just get those very specific frames. Yeah, just slowed down more. But uh, with um, 300, when you watch it, you see that it's very, very smooth. And yeah. I, I, to this day, I don't know how he did that. I don't know how he did it either, because I remember going, when we saw 300, we were so blown away. I, I was like, he's fresh off of doing uh, Dawn of the Dead, which was one of the very few movies where I actually prefer the remake over the original. You know, and it's a Zack Snyder film. And it's like, to see 300 and to find out that it was slow motion like that. I remember both of us were just so blown away. Right. And then, of course, a lot of people seem to forget this is a style that something that Zack Snyder had done and he's noted for doing is his ramp up and slowdowns with it in the dramatic way that he did it. Right. People copy it like hell, yet they say they hate Zack Snyder's style, but everybody copies it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> gonna and the way that he shot the. The way I'm sure everybody's seen the behind the scenes footage of 300, mm -hmm. how they shot it in the big warehouse with like the sand on the floor and then yeah. just the very flat lighting to see it go from that kind of footage into what it turned into. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, unbelievable. unbelievable. They were just I, my favorite Zack Snyder film still to this day is 300 just based off the way it looks, the, the acting and how he cut it all together. I think it's he made a mark. That one big time. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, if it wasn't for 300, I, I agree with you on this one, too, when it comes to the impact of 300. If 300 didn't happen, Zack Snyder would not be a director that he is right now. 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, and that also shows how much um, scrutiny he must have been under for Watchmen, because oh, people yeah. are expecting that kind of caliber or greater, yeah. with more budget, and in especially, I guess, in the theatrical version for myself, I was yeah. not impressed or thought that it lived up to what he had previously done. The theatrical cut, I'll, I'll, I'll agree on that one. The theatrical cut did feel like a step down from 300. The ultimate cut, though, really does put not only the director's part cut version in there, it incorporates the animation, which a lot of people have complained about, but at the same time, the graphic novel did too. You, you know, it had its own little things that it goes on a tangent, much like into the tangentverse. <laughs> it's like, it did, did, it did that too. And I was like, it makes it feel more like the, a comic book adaptation as far as I'm concerned. And to me, it, like I said, the ultimate cut went from being one of my lesser favorite Zack Snyder films to being on the top three favorite of his, where I'm like, this is the movie that should have been released. But I can also see why Warner Brothers probably was like, oh. because and that's the like, other thing that I feel like a lot of people disassociate with directors 
is uh, the studio themselves. Studio, uh, yes. So, like, you know, you may be mad that Watchmen wasn't as great as 300, but you have to understand that during 300, he didn't have a bunch of execs and producers breathing down his neck to make things a specific way. Whereas exactly. now with the bigger budget, now with the studio uh, still attached, I guess, because 300 was also distributed by Warner Brothers, Warner but Brothers, I think yeah. Warner Brothers also financed 300, uh, I'm sorry, Watchmen. They did, uh, yeah. So that just, you know, there's only so much you can fight against the studio for having certain, you know, make or yeah. break things happen. And so uh, you do the best that you can with what you're provided. And, you know, based off of his track record, I'm sure he did the best that he could with Watchmen. And that's why so many directors come out with director's cuts is because, yes. you know, the studio may want it one way, whether it's PG-13 or R, whatever specific thing that they have in mind versus exactly. the creator themselves. And then the director then is now allowed to make their own version of how they want to do it. So that's why exactly. director's cuts usually turn out better is because that was the their way vision. that they had intended to begin with. Well, yeah. That was their vision. Go what, ahead, Simon. What did you think when they announced that Zack Snyder was going to oversee the, the next DC movies? Um, this is like literally coming would, off from after Watchmen and then I think no sucker punch came after so sucker punch yeah. was after yeah yeah that would that was I, yeah yeah i did see some sucker punch as well and it's a guilty pleasure for me <laughs> after sucker punch i felt like strike two had happened and he had one more strike and then he was out kind of like baseball terminology in, in a way in that you know watchmen and, and sucker punch to me weren't great films like I thought 300 was and I was waiting for not another version of 300 but at least but you wanted something with an quality. impact like right. that yeah, yeah. you want because you know because at that point you know what his quality is right you know and and so I, I understand that yeah and so with something like uh, Man of Steel um, you know which I think was that his next one after Sucker Punch I think it's it was before it was after the Owl movie the yeah, Owl one like so it was the Owl one and then Man of Steel but Man of Steel was like I don't know anybody that saw the Owl movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I saw it and I love. Damn it! <laughs> I know one person that saw the yes, Owl movie, and I was like, I absolutely love that movie. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, which honestly, actually, William, if you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. Okay. Well, it then there you go. Good. Then, then in that terms, then maybe he did redeem himself for that. But um, I was, I was very skeptical to see what was going to happen next with them, especially in that same studio with those same execs. The execs actually had a lot of... Well, we all know how that... What happened. We all know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you see, that's the thing. A lot of people seem to not understand, too, is that, again, guys, when you see Zack Snyder's director's cuts of his movies, and like I said, there's nearly one for every one of them, you know? Uh, when you watch his director's cuts, there's so much better. For example, Batman v Superman, right there. It's the like, you see the director's cut, I'm like, it is not even the same movie. Yeah. I'm like, I look and I go, it's so, it, not only is it nearly, what, nearly 30, 40 minutes longer than the theatrical cut, but I mean, the one thing that everybody criticized the Batman v Superman about was the characterization. There's great characterization in his director's cut. In fact, it tells a, it tells a whole, a whole narrative story. The one weak link in that film, in my opinion, would still have to, uh, 
well, the mother twist, actually, I still think. <laughs> because he pulled a Watchmen. It was the same thing as in Watchmen. The same Why did you say that name? <laughs> yeah, Martha, and I'm like, Mar- I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's not exactly a unique name. <laughs> so just like, like I think the, no, the okay, intention that, was there. I think it was just, it was, I mean, I understand the intention, but maybe it was just, it wasn't well received because it was just the way it was done. That's why. So I think exactly. it, the intention was good, but it's just it didn't come out the way it, I think it might have impacted more. Yeah. It, let's put it this way. And also it, keep in mind, even in the, th- in the theatrical version versus the director's cut version, that version actually in the director's cut, it does come off stronger than it did in the theatrical version. But that's because the characterization is much better, you know, okay. um, and also let's keep in mind. Zack Snyder on a visual front, especially like the kind of art that he used and stuff like that. Love it. I, I, I've always loved it. I've always loved the way he does his art stuff. And that's half the reason why I like him as a director is because his visual style is just slick. Now, strictly on the visual storytelling style, I still find myself getting influenced by a lot of that stuff. Uh, personally, I found it very interesting. I remember we had a little bit of a conversation on this one, William and I, when this first was announced. We found out that Christopher Nolan selected Zack Snyder to do Man of Steel. That was a very, very shocking collaboration, to say the least. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, uh, about anyone else, but when that was announced, I think everybody had almost the same idea. Going, how are how the hell are these two going to get along? You know, <laughs> you have Hollywood's most secretive director ever, other than James Cameron himself. You know, the most secretive of secret directors with Christopher Nolan, overseeing and producing one of the most popcorn fun very 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 public figures like Zack Snyder how in the world is this going to even start to work now i saw the movie and i came away quite happy especially because i saw superman returns mm-hmm. and was not <laughs> impressed at all with superman i was like oh my goodness yikes you know but i mean i mean that what, what, I don't know what to say about that other than let's put it this way. So that was always going to, what was your reaction? Because I remember my reaction when I heard, uh, how are these two going to work with each other? <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be a very interesting collaboration. Um, it's, I think it's always hard when two directors are not forced, but collaborate to work together. Um, yes. I guess Steven Spielberg is the greatest example because I feel like Steven Spielberg in the past maybe 15, 20 years, has transitioned more from a uh, director into a producer. Um, He seems like he doesn't really, I don't know if he doesn't enjoy directing anymore, or if he just, um, you know. That leads right into one of our other stories we're going to cover, by the way. So keep going, keep going. (laughs) Um, But I could just imagine that there was probably a lot of headbutting in certain aspects, uh, especially when one person knows that they can do it one way and one knows that they can do it another way. And those two things don't really align sometimes. Um, and something else to keep in mind when watching movies is that um, even though it is the director and they do have a lot of say, they may not have hired the writer. You know, sometimes the studio hires a writer and sometimes actors hire writers to write dialogue for 
other rewrite. Yeah, yeah, rewrite wow. their stuff. They, they, yeah, there's such a thing called, there's for a, their own character. Yeah, they have a thing called. There's very. This does happen. Uh, I don't know if this is a situation in Man of Steel, but I know that it was definitely in. I I don't know if it was Batman v Superman or if it was um, Justice, Justice League. League. But I know Justice that League, Justice, Justice League, Justice League. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't get me started. No, I, that. I think yeah. it was Justice League. Yeah, like there's such a thing called script approval, which an actor, if they have enough clout, can demand and get a script to be completely changed to cater to their want and need. Oh, in that oh. case, I don't think it was in Justice League. It was more the 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 writers. That one was, and that you know that that was thing. like it was like. I think it was like Jeff Johns coming in and rewriting stuff. And we'll part. never and we'll never really yeah, know we'll never because really know. Snyder Cut never the Snyder Cut hasn't come out yet, you know, and we have faith that it will. Which by the way, now I know that William, I mean, I don't mean I don't mean to like hijack anything, but I have a question for you regarding this because you know, you know, William is also the one who introduced me to Simon C right here. So just so you guys know <laughs> that there there's a reason why there's this power like this is not only my best friend but like oh, there's that a is him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, Um, William did not know very much about the Snyder Cut movement until we started talking about it. Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! He didn't know about what was going on or what the what the Snyder Cut movement actually stood for or the bad history with the Justice League. You know, so now that you know a little bit more about it from hearing it from us i mean in your opinion can you really be surprised after knowing what you now know about like the way the studio system works the way creatives gets a lot of the times creatives do get screwed over with stuff different regimes different stuff in your opinion even though you may not be on the snyder train so to speak from uh, like like from the newer stuff do you think that in your opinion do you think Zack snyder deserves to have his version come out, especially after the travesty that was Justice League, and the fact that the fans and actors, they are all in for it. I mean, what's your view on that? Um, I am always for having, like, okay, I guess the simplest way to put it is, if, if I'm a studio and I hire Zack Snyder to make a movie for me, that's me telling the world that I trust this man to do whatever Yes. he's hired to do. And I, you know, I understand that studios nowadays are more corporate than they used to be and that studios aren't really even studios anymore. They're more just businesses. Yeah. And so there's business aspects that need to be addressed in a creative world, which don't always work out that well. Uh-huh. So um, I'm always for having the creatives tell the story that they've always meant to tell once they signed on to that project. Yes. Um, I feel like, um, you know, I, I almost feel like director's cuts shouldn't be a thing. They should just be the it main It should movie. only be one single movie. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. And yeah. if they want to, <laughs> I guess this is a controversial statement, but if a director wants to revisit their favorite work and make some alterations, as controversial and messed up as it's going to be, Yes, they should be entitled to have a version that they want out there because they're the creative. But it should not be in the way, like, let's say, George Lucas style, where he wants to pretend that the original versions never happened, which 
is ridiculous because there's a fan base for it. People love it. It's overwhelmingly more supported. Yes, the special edition should exist too because that's his preferred version, sure. But not to dismiss the original as never happening and that it's irrelevant, you know? Well, what's interesting in that aspect as well is because George Lucas is from old Hollywood. Yes. Before you could fact check things or know when trailers were coming out besides what was ever on TV, uh, you could, if you wanted to, if, if, if a movie wasn't released, you could pretend as if it never happened. And yeah, it could get right, locked up. Right. They would get locked up in vaults and never shown. And unless, you know, the movie was edited and the uh, studio was ready to release it, that's when you see the trailers. But nowadays, studios are preemptively telling the audience, hey, look out in 2021 because all these new films are coming out. No, it's now harder for them to negate that they even exist to begin with. So, exactly. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure if any, anybody was able to go into the Warner Brothers vault, which I had the privilege of doing once. Uh, nice. <laughs> oh, no, the stories you must be able to tell. <laughs> you, can, you, you can walk around and you see labels of all these different films, and some of them, if, I, would, I would say a lot of them never, never know. You don't even know what they're about. You don't, you're like, I've never seen that title before, and they're like, oh, yeah, that one never, never got released. Never came out. Oh, and wow. it's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking and mind-blowing because you go, you know, a movie studio, like a, like what we've been saying with the Snyder Cut movie right here. Uh, okay. Like, like Simon, for example, when you posted, when you initially saw the post where it says, is it, does it exist? Yes, it does. Remember, like, dude, you saw that. That's basically what William would kind of see himself in the vault. It's like, you look at that, you're like, you mean that the movie actually is real? But we can't see yeah, it. We can't, nope. can't, we can't see it. it. We, uh, it's like we see And Warner it. Brothers will never, ever say that they want to, that they have it, or that it even exists. If it, you know, if it does, maybe, uh, you know, sometimes movies get destroyed. And sometimes, it, yeah. And that, sometimes. That, I'm not saying that that's what's happened to the Z Snyder Cut, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I heard 20 years down the line, Oh yeah, the reason why that didn't come out was because um, you know Warner Brothers got rid of it and put it into the furnace and burnt it, and it's just physically does not exist anymore. Yeah, because they, by owning that footage, whether <laughs> another thing, Zack Snyder might have directed the film, but he doesn't own the film. That's two completely different things. And by Warner Brothers owning that film, they control what gets shown, when it gets shown. You know, how Which is why shown. we haven't seen a filmed scene yet. We see stills, but we haven't seen yeah. a, a And that footage, goes for behind-the-scene footage. Anything that's ever been released like that, like behind-the-scenes, any of those DVD extras, anything like that, have all been approved by Warner Brothers or by any other studio to be released. If, if I've been on shoots where uh, we've shot behind-the-scenes for lots of movies— and those behind the scenes never show up on the special edition. Uh, yeah, that's some of those interviews. Yeah. yeah, some of those interviews <laughs> never show up. It's just lost footage, but it's not. They have it. They just decided for some reason not to show it. And some people may not know this, but just to give an example, I'm not going to go too far on a tangent here, but this is an example of footage that got to, that that gets marked for being destroyed or actually gets destroyed. The original nearly X-rated 
version of Event Horizon is an example of a movie that is forever lost. Uh, as far as we can tell, the footage was destroyed. There is an existing VHS of the original cut that he turned in, but that's about all that exists, supposedly. And it also almost happened to one of my favorite films, one of many people, one of your favorite films, too, Blade Runner, the original. It almost happened. It was marked yeah. to be destroyed. discarded. Yeah. yeah, it was marked Ugh. to be destroyed as, you know, junk. And they found this footage in a salt mine. And as anybody who's seen the final cut and who has seen the supplements to it, you have 40 minutes, nearly half of a full movie of deleted scenes that is now perfectly restored. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what's, what's also interesting is any new movie that comes out, regardless of what it's shot on, is always transferred onto 35 millimeter and kept in the vault because film lasts 30 to 50 years if kept okay and longer if kept really well. And those vaults are temper con temperature controlled 24 hours a day, like pristine uh, vaults that... You know, th those things are lasting 100 years, probably at least, without any. God. So we, I need so, to get a job in one of the vaults. <laughs> so we got, so we still got 100 years to try to convince Warner Brothers to release the Snyder Cut. If he made a cut that they deemed that they were going to try to release, then yes, there would be a 35 print made of that somewhere. Um, that's being stored. In he's some actually place. here's the here's the sad part. We know it exists because he's shown us he's shown us the vault picture of it. We know it exists. It's got the time and everything, yeah. and it's never uh, to right now. It's never been seen by anyone other than people who probably saw an assembly cut. And again, I think that also the emotional part, and I think this where 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 Simon and I both have been touting this forever, is you see. There was behind-the-scenes drama with this movie, as we now know, especially now that we heard Ben Affleck's story about what's what's happened. You know, when he was playing the character, right, of Batman in the in in both in all of the films so far, um, which is sad to find out. But also the kind of stigma. Can you imagine? Like, can you only imagine? Like, you're working so hard on a project, and then his daughter commits suicide, and he is so lost in his emotion that it's like. You know what? I don't care about this anymore. I need I need to get out of here. But then to all of a sudden see a literal chop chop job done to your film, you look at it, you're like, my name is still on there as director, even though I had nothing to do with the version that came out. That's one hundred percent. What does that say? I mean, how does that as a creator, like William, you're a creative yourself. I work for you all the time. You know, as a creative, how does it feel when you've when you have something like that happen where it's like, you can't go back and be like, damn, I didn't get a chance to do that. Damn. That really sucks. No one's going to know what my motive was behind that. <laughs> um, terrible one, but also we don't know what kind of contract Zack Snyder has with Warner brothers. He, That's you know, true. we don't know in those provisions what he's allowed to, you know, take charge over. Um, and sometimes when you give up control, you get more money. So that's usually what a lot of people do because, you know, fine. You know, if you want this last say on the final, am I allowed to cuss? I don't know. Yeah, you're but, allowed to bleep okay. it out. I'm holding myself out. That's hard. <laughs> it's like, Warner Brothers, if you want that final say on the final cut and you're going to give me an extra $5 million to say, okay, check in, you know, checked off, 
then yeah, he might have done that. Or he might have said, no, you know, I, I don't care about the money and I'd rather have the final say and given up something else in return. I don't know what his contract is with we them. Have, we also have a potential vindictive, vindictive behind the scenes stuff because there was always the rumor that after Joss Whedon had started working at Warner Brothers, they were actually some of the rumor. Keep in mind, this is rumor, so this is going to be an rumors, opinion. Rumors, rumors, rumors. Rumor, rumor, rumor. No fact here yet. Okay, so maybe it'll come out one day. But the words that were going around, rumors that were going around, was that when this did happen to Zack Snyder, when his daughter did commit suicide, they kind of got giddy at the idea that hey, we can replicate the success and write off a of Joss Whedon now and. It's not too hard for me to believe. I don't know about anything else. Hollywood has a horrible thing that they do where any press is good press. And whether it's traumatic to you, if it brings you as a person into the spotlight a little bit more, they will monetize off of that. Because, again, that's where the whole studios aren't studios anymore. They're more corporations. Corporations don't have hearts. They don't care about that kind of thing. You know, they're, they're there... Their number one thing is um, their uh, shareholders and yeah. making money. And if it's not making money, you're doing something wrong. And so, uh, which also kind of conflicts with why I'm like, I don't know why they wouldn't release the Snyder Cut is because if there's that many people interested in that product and they do have it on hand, that's just extra money in their extra pocket. Mo- that's, what, that's what Simon and I have been saying. So yeah, uh, Simon, uh, there must forever. So there must be something either a, it could be a studio head doesn't like Zach or doesn't. Oh, I think uh, we know maybe, which one, Luis. <laughs> oh, we know which one it is. Oh, oh we I think we know, think which, we know one which one. Yeah. He's made it very evident. Yeah. <laughs> so that plays into it. It also plays into, uh, you know, um, studios have a very specific timeline of events that they're trying to uh, make. You know, they have so many movies that they want to make per year. They're trying to get those out. It's sometimes hard for them to then look at, go back into the past, look at what they have and, and see ways to monetize off of the products that they already have. They're looking in the future. They're looking at the next Marvel movie or the next DC movie or, you know, whatever that is. So at, sometimes it's not in their best interest time or money wise to like the, the money that they might make after, off the Zack Snyder cut might be pennies compared to the next DC movie they make or the next, uh, you know, TV show that they're producing or something like that. So, uh, look at dates these days. That's really, I was actually very red pilled when I remember seeing it was John Landau actually talked a little bit about this is that he was like, for anybody who doesn't know, John Landau is, uh, is, uh, James Cameron's longtime producer. Like he produced almost all his films. He actually even said is all the way the movie industry works. They look at a date. They don't actually look at the creative stuff. They're looking at a date and they're like, okay, so that's the date that needs to be done by, uh, now what do we do? And what's scary is sometimes that that release date is projected before the movie's even begun production, which or even it, pre-production, or sometimes. even pre-production, which yeah. makes it incredibly stressful as a director or anybody working on that film to make sure you make that date because they they by and I don't know why they started doing it, but by putting out that date ahead of time, they now are putting uh, unnecessary pressure and cost into a, a product that doesn't need it. Like um, if, if for whatever reason that director went 
over time or over, well, usually they have to go over budget to make that date. But if they didn't miss that date for whatever reason, you know, all those, all those posters that have the date release date on it have to now be changed. Like there's a lot of money that has to be sunk into now fixing that error. Sometimes it's cheaper to just up the budget or crank it out as quickly as possible, adding in extra VFX houses to help out to get that movie done. Lots of outsourcing, yes. And you might think, wow, like an extra $10, million, $1,500 million just to get it out on date is less money than changing that date that they made. Isn't that ridiculous sounding too? Like, Simon, how do you you feel? Knowing this right here, how does that feel, like, in your opinion? It's it's boggling, isn't it? It, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of hoops to get through just it to is. get one movie it out. Is. And I mean, if what William says, this is just for a movie that's going to, that's being made, it's going to get released. I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot of hoops to get a director's cut to be released. Exactly. Yeah. And you see also keep in mind now they even, they even have another thing that really didn't start, not to say that it didn't happen before. I mean, debatably it happened before with, uh, like I know, like with the Abyss and like with uh, uh, with, with Aliens, I know that there had been not just director's cut, full on alternate cuts. You know, sometimes that we have that, but it was really Lord of the Rings that started another <laughs> kind of thing where you have what's effectively not even a director's cut, but a the home release cut, so to speak, uh, or the DVD cut. The no, the like, no bathroom break cut. Right? Yeah, yeah, the non-bathroom break cut. Yeah, yeah. The, the hold your own piss for as long as you can cut, you know? <laughs> or, like, no, or, or you do what I did, uh, pee in a cup in the theater, hopefully nobody notices cut, you know? <laughs> I'm glad I didn't watch that movie with you. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, actually, Same I, here. That, that so not good. <laughs> the worst thing is that you were, that I started to be able to smell it coming out. <laughs> This is very, yeah, where are we going it. with this? Can we get back? Yeah, to <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but like, yeah, and it was with Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, when that happened. Oh. <laughs> but well, yeah, when yeah. you eat asparagus, you know, <laughs> yeah, just exactly. ends up spelling more. <laughs> yeah. uh. <laughs> no, no, no. But okay. Anyway, yeah. Back to this. Like, yeah, the cut. It's sorry, TMI, TMI. Anyway, like the okay, the actual. Uh, the DVD or home release alternate cuts. When you when Peter Jackson talks about it, he doesn't call it the director's cut. He says the director's cut was the theatrical version. So let me. I, I guess I can help out with that a little bit. So uh, director's cuts are different than home release or even alternative cuts uh, or alternative endings because uh, director's cut. The whole point is to have the director's vision told the way that they want it to. For a home release or an alternative version, uh, the only uh, the only reason why they do multiples is just to make more money to sell the same product. To monetize the exact same product. Yeah. It's it really is. And I mean, yeah. not to say and, and keep in mind, I'm I particularly my favorite movie trilogy uh, of of any kind of thing really would be to come down to Lord of the Rings when it comes yeah. to a trilogy. But even with that. I even fully admit that I prefer those elongated cuts because I feel like it immerses me far more than the theatrical ones do. However, there's no denying that it's been monetized to death. And now there was even there was even word again that there was that he was going to kind of sort of George Lucas it at one point and redo special effects, which I mean. I don't think necessarily it needs that, but if he wants to, and that's his creative vision and they allow him to i mean sure but i mean 
personally, it just seems like a fourth cut, so to speak, you know? <laughs> I, I, I can see why the studios would let him do that. Uh, maybe, you know, even though the audience might be fine with the way the CG looks now, um, because CGI advances so quickly so cool. every, yeah. every year, um, the cost of redoing the CGI might be a fraction of the cost Much of what they will get use. from DVD cells. And it VHS, might even end up looking not better. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had <laughs> I don't hey, know. I'm old. I'm a grandpa here. <laughs> yeah. But like, nope, um, I, uh, even Lord of the Rings, like you were saying, that came out in a time that DVDs were a big thing still. Blu-rays brand, were really product. coming out. Yeah. yeah. So. And, I mean, it also keep in mind that every time, I mean, to me, it seems like they're coming out with too many formats. I mean, to me, I just finally got really, really settled in with Blu-ray slash, you know, the HD thing. And already we have 4K on the horizon with Ultra, 8K, whatnot. And I'm like, do we really need this I right mean, now? you guys I mean, are all right. I mean, like, with home releases and director's cut, they release and just, they pretty much release the same thing to make more money. I mean... For example, I, I was just looking it up. Marvel's Infinity Saga, the box set. They're just all the same movies really? for the past 10 years. Sure. What? And something like that, let's say the box set costs $150, $200. If they re-release it, that's, an, you know, that's a big, big amount of money per person that they're making off of that re-release of people buying the same basically the same thing that's just slightly altered or has the different behind the scenes or there's a toy that includes that's with it It a toy that was made by some person way across the world who didn't get paid for it you know i mean look at lucas lucas isn't a filmmaker he's a toy maker is basically what he is yeah and so that's the model yeah that yeah space balls that's exactly (laughs) the mentality that uh studios have nowadays is you know it doesn't unless they can merch it why why make it exactly because the movie is actually in the especially i mean i can't say so much because the as of the disney trilogy of star wars star wars toys have actually declined in sales but we can say that during exactly that's how long did that take I know it's 30 years (laughs) no here's the funny part i was like before lucas had sold it out Star Wars toys were not only creating the cut, they sold like even characters that nobody liked at all. They would sell on toys, you know. Disney's doing something very wrong that when they took over, nobody cares about it anymore. Very interesting. That's a whole that's for a whole other video. But just so you know, yes, as a, I, I think that Lucas himself even knows that when he was in charge of Star Wars and it was his baby at that point, that Star Wars the films were only a very tiny fraction of a much bigger field with merchandising. I mean, oh yeah, merchandising for 100% made him be able to do the trilogy the way that he did that trilogy. Exactly, exactly. And you know, speaking of merchandising, I mean, there's mod- the, 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 just to put a, like a cap on this part right here. One thing that we could say we bring into Snyder again is Let's talk about really quickly the idea of the Snyder Cut. We know that this, like, if there was an, a chance for this to really make a big impact, we have spoken very much, Simon and I have spoken about this a lot on this channel, is with streaming service, with everybody and their mother having their own streaming service these days. Yeesh, yikes. It's like, can't keep the up, one man. Th- can't keep up. Is I, I can't keep up. But one thing a lot, and especially the Snyder Cut movie themse- the movement themselves, uh, have always touted from the very di- from the very first day is that if HBO Max were to 
bring the Snyder Cut to the streaming service, they can get a very big audience to just suddenly sign up for two because the morbid curiosity of this thing. I mean, the actors want it. A lot of the former the former creatives on there, the art directors, the um, CGI artists, the people, PAs. I mean, I just I, when I when I did the Hospital Film Festival last year, I had a couple of people who actually worked on both the Justice League version and actually on Battle Angel Alita, you know? <laughs> and they were all about the idea of, at the, at the time before it was actually known as the Snyder Cut movement, they were talking about Zack Snyder's original, you know? <laughs> so it just like, this thing has been touted for a very long while. People are so morbidly curious with the idea of it coming to a streaming service. I think that right now would be a perfect way for them to really launch it with that. Or you could always go on the very traditional five to ten year anniversary ordeal, which... If that happens, where would that put the Snyder Cut uh, being released by? Anniversary well, of, ju- of Justice League? Exactly. That's the problem. Like, so when would they release why, it? Why would, why would there be an anniversary of a fake movie? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, the problem is an anniversary for a movie that never actually came out. Hmm. And you see, we've talked about this on this channel too, William, just so you know. I'm not sure if you've seen this. Uh, we've done a couple episodes where you noticed there's a significant tying. There, there's a There's a... There's a, a cross, not really a crossroad, but there's a point where there's a convergence between the Alita army and the Snyder Cut movement. But I have said, especially with Elon Musk posting that last post, that was yes. amazing. By that was badass. You guys, oh, the battle angel, you know, you guys are yeah. badass. You know, yeah. It's like to see that both of these movements are going for the same thing. There's two very big problems, though, and I would like to get your opinion on this. Will is. We have often said, and I, I mean, being a part of the Alita army from the very get-go, the thing is, with the Alita army, it's easier to show support for the Alita army because go buy the movie. Go support the movie. Go buy the movie. Spread the word. Show it. Get people talking. The Snyder Cut, you can't do that because what do you do? Go buy copies of a fake movie? The Justice League? You know? It's like, how do we, how do you, how would you propose a way to support a film because uh, like i said the alita army is able to show support for the movie that came out whereas how how do you do this for the snyder cut other than just promoting don't, and pressure by the current theatrical cut of justice league that's what he was, was like you don't buy the you don't buy the justice league because it's a fake movie you know yeah. i mean it's not let's put it this way I, and, and again let me be very clear. I think anybody who watches the channel by now knows my opinion. No, I'm not a fan of Joss Whedon. I don't like him personally either. But at the same time, I acknowledge... <laughs> Look at what already tell, you me how, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't be able to say either. <laughs> but like, 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 he's too political for me to talk. Uh, I don't like him. But at the same time, I do not believe that he needs to be censored either. But I also have defended Joss Whedon as well and I still will defend him on this, is that it wasn't entirely his fault for the Justice League either. He was put in a position he did not truly want to be in either. Yeah, I mean, he took over a film that he didn't have any creative input to start with yeah. and was told to finish something. So it, 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 I think basically, you can tell that they were, the studios were like, do what you did for Avengers and bring it over here. And like, but why do you... How how was he, how, how would Joss Whedon have done that? There's no way to do that with a film that was shot. Zack Snyder is nothing like Joss Whedon. You know? True, but I, I I feel like there would have been one workaround that he could have done, which is 
which I, I don't know because I wasn't there on or privy to any of it, but um, uh, to to uh, source the material that Zach was going with at the time and trying to keep up with that material and try to keep maybe maybe not put his own take into the film, but maybe try to put how Zach would the- have finished it, mm-hmm. you know, into it. That That's probably the- would have been the way to at least. Um, honor it in a a certain way but um it's hard because directors of that caliber they're hired to put their own input into things they're not there to copy other people so i can see how the fans are mad that it's you know that zach was on it and then now he's off and somebody else has to finish it but and then yet it's still credited to zach which right it really isn't yeah but it 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 is and it isn't it's it's hard it's a hard thing to say because Again, he was there during production, right? Yeah. He was the there during pre-production. Yeah. Like he he set the he placed the foundation in, and somebody else put the roof on. And you know it 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 just you know it they they might have used it as a selling point, probably mostly. Uh, it is Zach probably Snyder's, most likely. Zack Snyder's name probably sold that more than Josh's Josh Wheaton's Wilton's. I can Whedon? never say his name right. Whedon. Josh Wheaton's name. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he did put the roof. I mean, granted that he used Elmer's glue. Sure. <laughs> However <laughs> crappy he would have. Yeah. Again, you know, it's not his movie. He didn't, he didn't set the pre-production to it. It's not how he probably normally works or with the people that he normally works with, which I is how I don't even think that he those... even worked on it. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Josh Whedon, um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong here but when he was brought in the original as Simon and I have both talked about originally they were saying that they only redid about 15 one five you know 15 percent that is not the story everyone else has told in fact it's quite the opposite apparently it's closer to 15 percent of it remained everything else was reshot that was 10. and what well, Fabian, Fabian yeah, Wagner said that exactly yeah, that's what it is Yes, mm. it's not, yeah, like you have people telling, no, it's the other way around. There's that little of the original movie, and I doesn't, almost doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise us at all. No. It doesn't. I, I, yeah, when it, it happens, usually before the movie is even shot. But if a director is on a movie or touted to to make a movie, and for whatever reason they they jump off of a movie, like why did they jump off that movie? Because whatever they were pitching isn't what either the studio wanted or um, whoever's in charge basically wanted and they can't get their way. So they say, okay, well, instead of making a movie, I'm not proud of, I'm just going to remove myself from this movie. And you guys can hire somebody that fits that vision a little bit better. And so um, it, yeah, again, it doesn't usually happen in mid production of a film, but it it happens a lot, probably more than a lot of people think. It does. Anybody who wants a little quick, anybody who wants a quick little thing to like one day, we'll have to talk about this too, since it is going to be the 30, 35th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken, of Back to the Future. I mean, the same kind of situation happened with Eric's was originally hired as Marty McFly. The original story they said is that they shot a couple of weeks with him. But then you started seeing the production stills. And every scene of that movie, with the exception of maybe two of them, I think, every scene had Eric Stoltz version of marty mcfly in there Mm. it wasn't two weeks on the 
Blue on the Blu-rays when they first showed the very little, I think like a minute and a half of footage with Eric Stoltz in it, but that doesn't even include the sound, right? There, you heard Steven Spielberg say five weeks. Now keep in mind, the whole movie was scheduled to shoot for seven. So that means that almost the whole movie was reshot. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens. It happens. Yeah. It, it's sad. Although part of me, after seeing Eric Stoltz, like First of all, I'm still looking for that damn jacket. I want that jacket that he's wearing in there, and I can't figure out where he where it is, you know? Well, because that is an awesome-looking thing. Almost looks Blade Runner-ish to me. But yeah, like, I would have liked to see Eric Stoltz take because it is... It, would it have been as good as, uh, as Michael J. Fox? Probably not. But at the same time, I don't even think it was the same movie. Part of me actually believes it was totally different because I'm like, he's acting very, very intense. And I go... Aristotle is an intense actor. I don't see him as such. He can be funny, don't get me wrong, but I want to see what a serious Back to the Future might have been like. It would be nice to see it, but again, sadly enough, Eric Stoltz has, to this day, from as far as I can tell, has never spoken publicly about his real opinions on this. In fact, the closest he ever came was just recently, he said, I have no memories of my time on that set anymore. And I'm just like... He might not. He honest. might not. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I mean I wouldn't want to yeah. remember that. <laughs> and like as a production person, you work with a product like a film for for sometimes years, whereas an actor, they're on it for maybe a month, two months, a maybe few six. Yeah, sometimes. And then they're on another project and they all mesh together and they're yes. if they're popular enough, they're booked right after each other. Right after each other. And it yes. is yeah, I can imagine that if if <laughs> If he, uh, I, I don't know too much about him, but if he was as popular, like an A-list actor at the time, I can imagine that he would have no memory much yeah. of a five-week shoot he, on he something. He was in so many films in the 80s. Well, here's the thing. He never stopped working. Aristotle is still a very famous actor, but in terms of the kind of films, he's more like an indie darling these days than he Nowadays. is. Like, I'm just saying at the time, I don't at know. At that time, he was, he was in so many, uh, almost any teenage flick in the 80s, you would find Eric Stoltz in it. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very much. The only thing is that very different kind of actor than Michael J. Fox. Understandably so. Just to bring it back to here. Yeah, no, no, dude. Okay, like I said, anyone here, just, just anybody who's going to be watching this, if anything, understand, if you guys want to get into filmmaking, specifically filmmaking, Hollywood filmmaking, stuff like that, understand you're entering politics, politics Hollywood style, basically. You're dealing with business politics all the time. There is, while there might be a singular vision, very few times, if ever, do you get a singular vision that actually comes out. And sometimes you'll never see it, which is something that the Snyder Cut movement were trying to fight to be able to finally see this thing. Even just a screening. We've said it before. Like we said, even if it's, they had a screening at like a, a one night extravaganza at some theater, believe me, it would be packed the entire day for that one single showing of it, right? I agree. Well, I get, I yeah. would say to answer your earlier question of like, what can we do to yes. kind of twist the arm of the studio to, to release, to release it. Um, I, I, f I think most fans have the premonition that Snyder has the control over wh what got released and what didn't. And he obviously doesn't because if it was up to him, he probably would have shown would it have right now. Yeah. Torrented it himself. <laughs> so um, it, somebody at that studio, I wouldn't know who, but I would say maybe Google, you know, who's, who's the head in charge, lead in charge exec for Warner Brothers. 
and try to find them on LinkedIn or email or something like that. And just have the fans kind of say, hey, you know, we're very interested in this release and we want to see it shown in some capacity, you know, and if he gets enough emails and bugged enough about it, he, he may just be like, you know, F it, fine, let's just get it done and over with and I'll do it. Um, and just so you guys know, it's happened before. Stuff yeah. like this has happened before. You just have to, you have to hit the right person. And Snyder, even though he was the director of it, He's not the right person yeah. to twist the arm of to, to get it out. Oh, he is giving uh, it. Clearly, he wants yeah. it out. He's, he's yeah. giving us feel to do it. Yeah. Yes, and exactly. him now knowing that everybody wants it out helps the cause to get it released. But it's not, it's not, um, it may not be up to him. It just, it just, there's so many factors in it um, that are just unknown to me uh, of, you know, who, who would be in charge of that and who would be. Um, have the clout to mm-hmm. say yes, you know, we can now release it. I can think of one other way, but this is also one that's harder to really do, but stuff like this has happened. The only other thing that I could say, if Zack Snyder has another, his next release, if he has a next release and it is a mega huge hit that everybody and their mother watches, it also helps studios notice oh, maybe we should revisit some of his earlier work. Yep. It's happened before. But to say that it will do it this time, hard to say, because again, his movie was never released. This is a very different situation from most. It's like there's no true way to. Technical difficulties, and it's because I can't shut up. Okay, here we go. Um, yeah, guys, we have, like, just supporting Zack Snyder's work overall, it only helps. It only helps. But at the same time, I'm not saying go support something you don't want to see because that would be stupid, you know? Absolutely. If you like, hey, you know, 300 is going to have its another anniversary coming up. Go show some support for that, you know? If you don't like that, go, you know, Man of Steel is going to have an, an anniversary coming up soon. Go support that. Support Zack Snyder's movies that you do really feel connected to could bring a lot of good attention there. That's the only other way I can think of trying to influence outside of the stuff we've already discussed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of petitioning or trying to contact the studio, I don't know what, I mean, fans have a lot of clout in certain aspects, but in other ways, when it comes to what a, what a studio is going to do to make money, uh, it's usually all in house on that. And once their mind's kind of made up, they kind of, for the most part, stick with it because there's some sort of plan that they, they have in mind that, everybody else isn't privy to. So yeah. it's, it's, it's an uphill battle for sure. Is, is basically keep it. fighting though, guys. Keep fighting, definitely. Oh. Well, thank you, Will, for coming on, talking about My- your brief, <laughs> your brief encounter, <laughs> no matter how, no, Hey, you know what? A brief encounter brief, is but- better than no encounter. With Zach also Snyder. that brief, keep in, keep in mind people. That brief encounter says a lot about Zack Snyder, though. Yes. Because, again, for people like us who work at this, we we know that this is not the norm. He's not a, he's not a very stereotypical Hollywood director, so to speak. Really yeah. isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely thank you so much, Will, for coming on board. My pleasure. Uh, Thanks where, for having Where me, can everyone find you? You have an awesome YouTube channel. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, so me and my fiance, we have a channel on YouTube called the Kyoto Couple. Yes, right. that's our yep. business card. Yeah, you there can, you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys like crafts uh, or uh, travel videos, that's mainly what we put out, and we do giveaways at the beginning of every month. So um, if you leave a comment to the answer in those videos, uh, 
we will um, you can win that that uh, prize in the video. Exactly. Absolutely. And also, like I said, I'm a very big fan of your channel, dude, too. So that's why I say, guys, definitely check out his channel. It does a lot of very creative people with a lot of really good art. So if you like art, definitely give it a shot. And who knows? You might see some familiar faces sometime soon. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, think, I think you will. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> spoiler right there. He'll, he'll be in one of them. He'll be Get in one used of them. to this mug. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely post a link to your channel uh, in the Thank description. You. And... I think I could put a subscribe button on the end as well of this video. I don't know if I'm still getting used to YouTube, so we'll see. <laughs> so yeah, we here, shall see. Here. But no worries. Uh, but yeah, if you guys have any other um, film questions later on that you want me to come back for, I'm more than happy to to talk some more film with you. Definitely. definitely I know that I definitely great. want to have you back. And hey, I'm always willing to do a live stream or something like that with any of you guys. Or if you guys are interested, hit us up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Will, and to everyone watching, make sure you hit this uh, the thumbs up button if you like it. If you you can also hit that thumbs down button if you dislike one of us. You know, you could dislike Fine. me or or, or or Luis, but leave Will alone. Yeah, he's a guest. Don't <laughs> leave him alone, but definitely don't dislike I know, the guest. Hey, you guys, you got I'm I. This face is meant to be hated. <laughs> yes, and uh, leave your comments as well, and don't forget to hit that bell notification, you know, so you get notified of new episodes. Absolutely. But until next time, right. have a good night, everyone.